everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is a new series me and Dan started called Map Detective. Essentially what we're going to do is have people on that have pieces of private that they've had great success on and just break down the, the property. Look at where people have killed deer on that property, how those bucks uh, bed on the property, why they bed there, and then how they move through that property and those people stand, stand locations and see if we can make any improvements to the, the, the way they're hunting the, the land and just listen to the deer stories. It's going to be really cool and it's really educational. This first one is uh, a property Joe Miles has. Joe Miles is the owner of Osseo Gear, who's our newest partner. And uh, man, the more I'm, I've talked to Joe, the, the more I like the guy. Uh, just a great, great guy, and they make some great products over there at Osseo Gear. I do have a link for them down in the description. You guys can go check it out. They make everything from turkey hunting clothing to to negative 30 degrees in Iowa type uh, bibs and jackets. So um, I haven't gotten to wear much of their stuff yet. I did wear a pair of their uh, kind of going to town pants, I call them. It was like their solid color, lightweight pants, and man, they were they were nice. I walked through a bunch of green briar yesterday with them on, and didn't have any problems with them ripping or anything. So it seems like they're going to be hard to um, hard to tear up. Also, I want to thank my other uh, partners as well. That being Hunting Beast Gear. If you haven't checked out the Hunting Beast Gear website, they made some updates to it. It's pretty cool looking. I think you can pre-order the Beast Stand right now, according to the website. They're building these in three-week increments, so shouldn't be too long of a wait. You can get on there and make a pre-order. Also, got to thank Lou over at Stealth Outdoors. If you haven't used any stealth strips yet, you're missing out. It's a key piece of gear for any, and I'm talking any application when you're hunting. You can put that crap on anything. Silence your gear with Stealth Outdoors. And finally, also got to thank Exodus. Guys, there's all kinds of trail camera companies out there now. Um, lots of good options on the market. The reason I love the guys at Exodus is because, one, they make a good product. Two, they've been here since day one for me and, and supported me along the way. Um, I've become very good friends with everybody over there at Exodus, and it's almost like a little, little family reunion we have when we get back together with those guys. They're going to be part of the show for the foreseeable future and just a great cool company uh do me a favor if you guys haven't checked out all their content they make over on their youtube channel you're really missing out man they're growing like crazy and they have all kinds of cool stuff about big bucks over on over on Exodus outdoor gears website all my partners are linked below make sure you go check them out and also before we start this episode again is real visual so i uploaded it on a mp4 into spotify or wherever you're uh viewing this i think the only place you can see it um see the video version of this is on spotify so if you uh if you have problems following us you may want to hop over on spotify or youtube and and watch us there but i think it'll be worth your time all right everybody let's get into the episode hey everybody Hey everybody! Welcome hey to the show. <laughs> you can see we got a, a guest on that you're you're on like a few episodes ago, but uh, we got Joe Miles from Osseo Gear on again tonight. Um, this is a kind of a first episode of a series that we're going to do called uh, Map Detective, or or what what was the other one that I I thought you meant Dan Cyber Detective we. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan called it cyber detective and for some reason I had in my mind that he said map detective and I ended up making everything map detective. Oh, <laughs> uh, so maybe the the title may change tomorrow or something if I got time. But uh uh thanks for doing this, Joe. No, guys, I appreciate y'all having me. It, it was a yeah. lot of fun, you know, in Ohio uh, sitting down with you Josh and having Big Rendell in there. He's always funny. To, mm. to be around he's a great guy and uh enjoyed it I, i'm glad i you know met you guys at that show and and um really in you know excited about the future yeah for sure yeah thanks for the support on the on the show and everything it's uh um we appreciate it so absolutely um 
So what we're going to do, everybody, with this little series we're doing, we'll, we're going to do it from time to time. We really haven't decided how often we're going to do them, but we're just going to bring in somebody that has a, we want it to be a private piece of ground. Um, don't really want to do public just to keep everybody, you know, from seeing spots and, and whatnot. Um, and just talk to you about the the property via map or aerial view and kind of show where you've killed some bucks on it and maybe uh, setups and if we can help or um, anything like that, that's, that's what we're, we're going to do with these. Now, obviously Joe doesn't need much help on this property anymore, but uh, this is a, <laughs> this is a really, yeah, this is a real good example and they can be, you know, kind of <clears throat> cool, sm small parcels like this is, I think this is like 25 acres, right, Joe? Yep. 29 acres, 29 acres um, or as big as you want. So uh, one thing though is, if you guys are going to submit these, I have my email down in the description. You can send me an email about it. Don't uh, Facebook message it to me because I, uh, I, I just get overwhelmed with messages and I don't want to miss them. Um, yeah, don't send them to me either. Send them to Josh. Yeah. They <laughs> may not get seen if they get sent to Dan. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just send them that email below. It's before the echo hunting at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, Joe, before we start, can you kind of... Go ahead. Dan. I think this is a great opportunity for everybody to learn. I mean, mm -hmm. when uh, we look at these maps and stuff, it's one thing to just point out spots you think deer are bedding and stuff. It's another thing for to have somebody like Joe on there who who's uh, hunted the property, killed several good bucks, and knows about the bedding and knows about the access and trails and stuff, and, and can open some eyes. And, and then it's kind of like uh, when we do the workshops on properties where we've hunted. You know, it's kind of like uh, you, you know, it's it's factual. You can you can look at where the bucks were, and then you can kind of try to figure out why. I think that's a cool concept. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so, Joe, before we get started, do you want to kind of, if anybody doesn't know who you are, you want to want to tell them? Sure. For us? Yeah, um, Joe Miles from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, grew up. My dad was a huge whitetail hunter. Um, just just an absolute savage. Had the 11th biggest deer killed in the state. And, you know, from the time I could walk, you know, I was with him in the woods and he kind of turned me loose when I was 12 with a little small 243 because our in South Carolina, we have a really long rifle season. And so, you know, went through all the phases like everybody else, kind of starting to learn things, put it together. 16 started bow hunting and have bow hunted ever since. And in my 20s, got to start traveling a little bit, going to Illinois and, and starting to get out of state because South Carolina, we have a lot of deer, but we don't have, you know, those big quality, or I don't know that quality is the right word, but the big antlers of the Midwest. And that was always a dream that I had growing up, you know, was to hunt those deer. And so uh, in my 20s, started traveling and, you know, got addicted to it and, you know, now have Osseo gear, which is a whitetail bow hunting clothing line that, that we launched in 2019. And that's kind of a short, short version of, of who I am. Yeah. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, Joe, you have one of the most impressive whitetail walls I've seen in, uh, really anywhere. So congratulations on that, man. That's a lifetime of hard work behind you. Well, well I sure appreciate that. It, yeah. uh, yeah, I, um, I love it, man. Just like you guys and like probably everybody listening to this show right now, it's a, it's a real passion and, and something that, that I've, just obsessed about for a long, long time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always, it's crazy. Like when I see Dan's wall and Dan's wall picture is like 10 years old. So there's probably, I don't know, however many more deer you could add to it. And it's just like, gosh, man, I'm so much younger than you guys too. It just seems like it's unfathomable, but it's just, it, you know, I well, guess it's your just age. A, you got a pretty good wall yourself. Yeah. I'm seeing a yeah. whole bunch of bone back there behind you. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a, uh, it's just, it's just the, uh, the fact that like, like anything in life, it's like you, you, you tick away at something. And after like 40 years, you like look back and you're like, holy cow, look what I've done, you know? And you probably yeah. don't, you guys probably don't even like realize it until you kind of sit back and they're like, holy cow, you know? Um, cause I can remember like in high school having like, you know, a handful of bucks, uh, that I shot on the wall and thinking like, you know, how do I get to that point? And it's and like, I'm slowly getting there now. And it's, uh, it's just surreal, I guess. Um, surreal or I don't know. I'd love to go back to high school again, you know? Yeah. With what you know now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. There'd be more dead ones on the wall. I can promise you that. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot more of them. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. But you can't, and that's all right. You know. <laughs> so uh before we start this, I was gonna show everybody these you you killed three, I mean, giants for anybody, um on this piece of property. So this is this is one of them you sent me, Joe. Yeah, that was the second one. Okay. I'm trying to zoom in on it here. It's not letting me zoom in, but uh, you don't really need to. You guys can see it's an absolute giant of a deer. <laughs> what that one score? That was 186. Okay. There was that one. And then this one. Yeah, he was a he was a 10 point when he had 13 inches extra around his uh around his bases. So he ended up scoring. Oh, yeah, I see all that now. I didn't see that at yeah. first. There's a whole so he was he was a right 170 here. 10 point and then had 13 inches of extra, so he's 183. So there's that one. And, and then, then that was guy. the first one. Um that that was the first one. He was in the one low 160s. He had a, about a 12 inch tine broken off. On, we called him Big Lefty because he was so crazy looking. Yeah, that's a crazy looking deer. That's another thing about that scoring system. I'd rather have that one. Man, I, I, he, that's got to be one of the wildest ones I've shot for sure, just like a tree coming out of that left side. But really cool. I, I love those freaks. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's insane. And this is just a little – this property we're getting ready to look at, it's just a little kind of a – looks like a little overlooked area that nobody would even think about deer hunting it, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah. are we talking Illinois? Yeah, we're talking oh, Illinois, um, Menard County. For anybody that's interested, that's what county it was in. Gotcha. Um, before we show the property, Joe, can you talk about like how you came up about it and like started hunting it? Absolutely. So I actually got invited out there to hunt some public land um, around uh, Springfield, Illinois. And um, we, so I was hunting some public with a guy. And he introduced me to another guy. And as you all well know, it's, it's all about relationships and building relationships, especially, you know, out of state. Well, me and this other guy became really good buddies. And, and he owned a family farm. Well, I think it was four or 500 acres, had a lot of deer on it. He let me hunt it um, for a couple years. He had a couple leases. He let me hunt those with him. And then, you, you know, I kept saying, man, I really would like, so I don't have to keep bumming off of you. I'd love to find my own spot. He said, well, I, there's a older gentleman that has a little track in town. And if you want, and he told me I can hunt it. Um, if you want to go look at it, you can have it, you know? And he said, I hadn't really had a chance to walk in there, but if you, you want to go, it's right down by the Dairy Queen. If you want to go look at it, go look at it. So we, we went together and uh, we walked in and I saw how it laid out. And then we got down into the CRP, which everybody's going to see in a minute that the owner had set it up, the, the, uh, part that used to be like part of a cattle pasture. He had turned it into CRP and it had grown up. And when we started walking in there, it was just big rub after big rub after big rub. And then I kind of looked at it on an aerial and said, Oh boy, I, I know what's going on here. And I said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take it. And then the rest is history. Yeah. And you said you, you uh, would you say it was a year to hunt there? He charged you $450. <laughs> Pretty good deal for uh, essentially yeah, yeah, three deer over 160, and two of them were over 180. So <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that money well spent, as they say. <laughs> How many years did you did you have that little piece then? I uh, had it. Um, let's see, three, four, four. So I killed back to back to back. Uh, the first year I did not kill. So I had it four, and then the fifth year is when it blew up and won't go into all that, but I ended up losing the the, the property. Um, and so kind of bittersweet there that I, that I lost it. But so I killed, so I had it for five years. Gotcha. Okay. All right, I'm going to throw it up on the map here. So um, I, uh, right here it is, right, Joe? Yeah, that's it. This little section right here, essentially. Did, did it come up into this? woods at all or this little yeah, yeah it, it did come in up into there a little bit um it came up in you know on those hills th those were obviously hardwood um hardwood hills and then right down there in the heart right dead in the middle is that kind of grown-up crp that was just a massive bedding area yeah right yeah what, what outlining right there and i mean just torn absolutely up i got you where's the dairy queen at it's, it's <laughs> straight to the north go up go up oh. yep yeah, just just a little bit 
a little bit north. Right, right. Wait, that's it. Here. No, no, it's right over here to the right. I'm sorry. Move to the right. Oh, right here? Yeah, yeah, that's it right there. Okay. So where where were the Bucks betting at then? Like you Yep. So um the the structure to the east of it is a is a tire shop. Um, a little right bit, a little bit south of that. Yeah, that's a tire shop right there, and they stacked all their old tires to the to the west. Yeah, right in there, and that big one eighty six was bedded right there. That's where he lived. And the the beauty of this property is that if you go to the to the north of that just a little bit where those other structures are, mm-hmm. so, yep, right here. This was an old lady that lived there, and she had mowed a walking path. It would come south of her structures into that CRP and run right along the north edge of that. Yep, straight down. Yep, just like that, all the way to the end. And then it would wrap up into that neighborhood straight north of there. And she would walk that thing every day with a couple of her girlfriends. And so those (laughs) here were just totally used to people walking in there. And as I found this stuff out, I was like, my gosh, this is it. You know, it's unbelievable. And then if you if you really if we were to zoom, okay, you're gonna you're gonna plot that in there. I'm just seeing how far she was from these top, like how far that buck was laying from her. So 50 yards essentially. Oh yeah, that walking path. So if you if you were to really zoom out, you would see when you go west, it starts to get into ag, and there's some hunting clubs or, or a, a hunting lease, you know, all the way out to okay. the. And, and yeah, that's yeah, where those deer, that's, that's where he would head at night. The, the deer would head out to there. Yeah. And, and um, you know, he just got in there and, and nobody, you know, it's that old thing. And Dan, you, you know, this is, is well or better than everybody. When, when a spot sets up perfect and just because a big deer gets killed out of there, a lot of times another one will show right back up in there uh, because, because it's, it's just a perfect storm. Yeah. So he had, he had ag about, uh, eight tenths of a mile from where he's bedding at is what this is like the um perfect scenario what we always preach yeah These big ones are on that overlooked stuff you found that little overlooked section you found a bedding area and you got access to where people that don't go and you're coming from out of state so you're getting in there and uh not over hunting it because you're out of state you get in there at prime time and you just go in there and pick the cherries it's a pretty good setup yeah, that's that's exactly right. I only hunted it on a north and northeast was perfect. Uh, I, Josh, I showed you earlier kind of where the one stand was um, right yeah, there so. in, that, in that corner right there. Yep. And there's a giant hill behind it that the deer never um, came down. Um, you know, it was it's pretty steep in there. So that north wind would blow it right into that ridge. Uh, the only the only issue you had when you walk down that walking path um is you'd have to turn right, exactly right there and, and walk in. But the, the plan was to kill him before, you know, before he got to where you were. Um, and, and I've got actually got all three of those bucks on video, shooting them on video, and, and it works out perfect. Um, all three of them, you know, came in where I could shoot them before they got to where I crossed that gap. Uh, where so would it, you park? Where would you I'd park, park at? I'd park at that lady's house. Okay. Park, you know, right there, that's where my access was. I'd, I'd pull in right there, then I'd walk down her walking path and go, yep, just like that. And I'd cut right there's a fence row right there, and I'd walk right down that fence row, pop up in my stand, only hunt it on dead north or northeast wind. And, um, you know, if it wasn't that, I stayed out, you know, I, but, but it, I didn't hunt it a lot. I probably, the most I ever hunted it was the third buck and i probably hunted it four times but we and we ran two trail cameras in there we ran a trail camera basically right there there was a fence mm-hmm. crossing right there and then we ran one where you are right there back to the uh, east there's kind of like a little brown open spot right here yes huge scrape spot right there and you can see why dan i mean you'll know this with that where they come down off that ridge right there mm-hmm. That's where, you know, it was just a little hub for them, and there were scrapes all right there. So we'd know exactly what Everything bucks. meets right there, yeah. Yep, and they um, they would never show up. The, the, the bucks would never show up in there until mid-October, mid-October to late October. So it was about 230 yards from where he was bedding at is where you would end up shooting him at. 
Um, like did how, you ever try how, any of the other spots on the land? N- never did. Nope. No, never just tried anywhere everything else. Seemed to go that way, heading towards the crops. Yeah, I, I shot all three of them in the afternoons. Um, one of them, the the one eighty three, was actually out in the cattle pasture, and I snort wheezed him to me. Um, the other two were bedded in there, and they were coming out in the afternoons. How thick is this, Joe? This cattle pasture, like, is it head high, or I mean? Yeah, it is. I mean, you could you could walk through it, but it would be it would be pretty tough. But it's just that classic thick CRP. Just they feel so safe in there. I should have sent you some footage of that um, the the one eighty six walking across that when he got up out of his bed and started walking through it. He's like a bulldozer walking through that. It's it's one of the prettiest. It's it's four thirty in the afternoon too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. And the thing is, is to me like. A lot of guys would have, you know, seen that it's a small property. They had seen that lady had a walking trail and walked through there every day. And they'd have been like, ah, you know, right. this isn't for me or this, there's no deer here. Um, obviously there was though. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and y'all know this, but it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I shot a buck in Kansas this year and, I've been doing this for 35 years and he was living in a six acre place, just like this on the other side of the road. And I was a hundred percent convinced he was living in a, in a big 120 acre cedar thicket. You know, I was just sure that's where he was living and then kind of put the pieces together after a couple of years. And again, the, the, the overlook spots, man, is, is where it's at. They figure it out. They're cagey. They're smart. They, they figure out where these spots spots are. Can you, Joe? Uh, is that, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Can you tell me a little more about the bedding area? I, I assume you uh, in the off season looked at it. Yeah, were like, they bedding um, in several spots, or were they bedding real tight in that area? Or so, so he he was in there alone, um, and, and really right up against and amongst those tires. They were big, like tractor trailer tires. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after I killed him, I, I went in there and and looked at where he was bedded. And then if you go straight, um, if you go straight south, Josh, up on that ridge, mm-hmm. there there were quite a few deer that would bed up on this ridge too. Hmm. Was the ridge just hardwoods or what kind of? Yep, all hardwoods. When you get yeah right in there, there was more of I call it privet hedge because that's what we call it in South Carolina, but you guys probably call it something else. Um, but it, it was it was thick in there with hardwoods and that privet, which is maybe you call it honeysuckle or something like that. But it's it's thick, thick. Yeah. But the the mature buck beds you think were down in that bottom right near the river there, right? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yep, that's 100% right. Yep. Hmm. One of my biggest bucks was betting in something just like that, and it was um, in in with uh, some junk cars and tires and crap. And uh, I actually shot it with a shotgun by... uh, 
getting it to jump by sneaking up on it and throwing rocks at the car that it was bedded next to. to <laughs> <jump> up. <laughs> Because way back yeah. in the eighties, <laughs> they, they they figure that stuff out, don't they? Right, they just go where people don't go. And you look at a pile of junk behind somebody's house, and you think there ain't no deer in there, and you go past it. I was talking to a buddy the the other day, and he was hunting a big deer in Ohio. And he every time he was not there, he'd get trail camera pictures of the deer and couldn't figure it out. And one day it was super wet, so the farmer that, that owned the property said, "Hey, you need to." port by my barn i don't want you driving on my roads as wet as it is so he backed into like this old goat pasture that was fenced in and grown up and he's getting out of his truck getting all his stuff together and he hears all this racket and the buck he was after was jumping out of like that two acre old dilapidated goat pasture that had fence around it he got caught in the fence and he went and looked at it and that's where that buck lived and he could see the entire valley that he drove in on and he was living right there he would jump inside that goat pasture where it was fenced off, I guess, where coyotes and dogs and stuff couldn't get to him. And he, he could see everything that was going on. They, it, they're fascinating animals. Oh, yeah, 100%. So uh, what made you just end up putting two trail cameras on that like, smaller piece, Joe? I, I pr- Probably because that's all I could afford at the time. I, I should have probably had four or five. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted one on those on those scrapes and then I wanted one on that uh, real good fence crossing. Um, I just figured between those two and I, I'd get them put in there in September and just leave them. You know, this was before really text cams and all that came around. So it, and I was real careful. Like I can remember one time it was like 11 p.m. We got a bad lightning storm rain and I snuck in there then and pulled the cards um, yeah. and it was, it was always like, like Christmas, you know, when, when I would pull these because the, the sign was always there and I, it, it was just a, a, a spot that a big buck was, you know, find and get in. It seemed like every year, obviously. And I just was real delicate with it. And I think that's the key to those small properties. <laughs> you know, we touched on that a little bit earlier. You, you can't get in there and force it. Because as soon as he knows that he's is so delicate, as soon as he knows he's being hunted, he's not coming back. Yeah, right. It reminds me of uh, a spot where I, I hunt by uh, a seventy acre farm over here, Dave's farm. We would hunt it really sparingly, you, you know, only maybe once a week or so, even though we got full access to it. But it was only seventy acres, and a lot of our hunts would be ob- observations. And we'd have some decent bucks in here, here and there. But I can remember there was a property across the street that was no better in structure, no better in food. Uh, matter of fact, I would say it was worse. But you'd go past her and there'd be giant bucks out there all the time. Right in daylight, you'd see them feeding out in a, in a guy's lawn. And the biggest difference was that guy was an anti-hunter, didn't let anybody on his property to hunt or even to walk. You couldn't even go over to retrieve a deer. And because nobody ever hunted those deer, all the deer went there and knew that was safe. Otherwise, how do they know that property from that 70 acres? And we were being really delicate on that property, but it still ain't anywhere near as delicate as the anti-hunters were being. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it, that's it. They, they, it doesn't take them long. I mean, you know, there's some islands and stuff down here in South Carolina, you know, near, near the ocean and, and they get overpopulated with deer and you can basically feed the deer out of your hand. You know, they're, they're so populated. And as soon as they open bow hunting up within a season that you couldn't, you couldn't feed one of those deer or, or really see them. They figure it out right. so quickly. They're, they're so adaptive that, that they, they know where they're being hunted and where they're not. And, and that's the thing is on these small tracks is to trick them into thinking they're not being hunted. Yep. Yeah, that's a good tip. I was going to show everybody. I had a, uh, we're talking about overlook spots. This is a, like a little farm that I have permission on. I still have permission on it. Um, it's just essentially this fence row to about right here. Um, and then this little woods, just this field in this little woods right here. Um, but I, I had a stand right in here and, uh, these, these topo lines show a hill. It's not much of a hill. It's, it's, these are pretty spread out topo lines here. Um, but typically deer would come out, they, you know, the does and stuff would they'd bed back here in this little area and they'd come out through here and then go out into this big crop field at night. I had to stand here intersecting it. Well, 
I would get, a, I had a trail camera like right here. Um, this property I couldn't hunt. This wasn't, this isn't on it, but I had a really nice, like I was like a 160. It had big split G2s, really beautiful buck um, this year on that, on that, uh, on this farm. And, you know, I kept thinking like he just, he was bedding back in here. Just couldn't figure him out where he was or when he was coming out, or maybe he wasn't living here very often. And, uh, one, uh, the parking, we always parked right here. Uh, and then we'd walk down this fence row and then come right here into the, the stand, right? Like, like everybody would. Well, one, uh, like mid October hunt, I parked right here and I was, uh, I was walking and I got to about right here. I realized I'd forgotten my grunt call and I'm like, gosh, it's getting to where they might may come to grunt. If I have to grunt at them, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go back and grab it. So I walked back down this fence row, got in my truck, you know, got my grunt call, closed the door and I was walking back and that 160 jumped up laying right here <laughs> and ran across this field and out of my life forever. I never saw him again, but I guarantee he just laid in this fence row and just watched everything that happened on this entire farm all the time. Um, the farmer claimed that he saw him. This is a cattle pasture right here. They, he claimed he saw him bedding in this cattle pasture a couple times too. So could have been back in there. Um, but just another good example of them living where you don't think they're going to be and just sitting there watching you, you know, in a little overlooked spot. It just seems to me like uh, when you go to those uh, spots that look like that where deer should be, like you, mm -hmm. you look at the terrain in, in a wooded area, kind of where everybody else would go when you look at a map, you get a lot of deer and you see a lot of deer and probably more than you do in the overlooked spots. But whenever you get one of those giant, mature, you, you know, freaks of nature, mm -hmm. they almost, you, you know, more often than not, they're bedded someplace where you would never imagine they're bedding there. Right. hundred percent. Um, I'll look for, I got another spot that I'm always like, I was so freaking dumb when I was younger, man. Like all of these deer just lived right underneath your, your nose. I was going to show you another overlook spot that, um, I should have, should have killed, killed this deer too. Uh, here we go. It's right here. Bear with me, everybody. Dan, you've hunted this property before. You know, that, that drone recovery guy that's doing this deer recovery stuff, you know, apparently yeah. he's got quite a few videos out of, of, of big deer, like bedded right up against dog kennels um, in, in some of the most wild, unbelievable places you would never, ever think. And it, it, it's, it's amazing how those mature bucks find that all the time. Yeah. I mean, up against the dog kennel where the dog is yapping at him every time he comes in and he knows he's safe. It's crazy. Yep. I've yeah, it's, uh, so if you guys ever watched the hunting beast, you've seen me on this property, um, before here, um, let's see, make sure I'm in the right. Yeah. So it's this farm right here. I can hunt. It's a really large farm. This is a big CRP field right here. Um, and these are crop fields down in here. Well, uh, this actually isn't a crop field. This is another CRP, CRP field. And, uh, this is the, drive off the main road and you always just parked right here by these uh by these barns and then you'd walk across the creek and then you'd be down in the farm hunting um we used to we used to park right here all the time and i i changed my ways because i'm like man i'm parking right in the where everybody you know where anything could see me if they wanted to on my on that farm so i ended up parking back here or even at this house and uh again i had a big deer it wasn't in the 160s but it was like a it was probably in the 150s um, on the, the, I'd get pictures of him out here on the farm and I, you know, never, never saw him out here in daylight hours. Well, uh, one, uh, one evening hunt, I parked here at this little barn. There's a little pull off right here. And, um, this, there was the, the, the guy that lived in this real rental house so the farmer, there's a little house right here that they rent out. Well, he was out in his yard and I, I don't, he yelled at me or something. And I walked up through here to go talk to him. And that freaking 150 jumped up right here on the edge, backside of this pond right here and ran um, <clears throat> right here across the highway uh, into the other property. And I, I never, I mean, I, I drove right by that. I mean, this is 20 yards right here, you know, 
it's real nasty and thick. There's briars and it's just the backside of that little pond. And he, he just, he just laid right there. Probably watched just for, you know, his whole life, just park right there and walk out of his life forever, you know? And then, uh, somebody shot him on that, on that farm he ran onto that year though. So that's, uh, that's been the story of these private pieces I have. It's always, always somewhere you don't, you don't look, you know. And you know, you hear you hear a lot of guys talk about that first timer success—a guy that's never hunted before. You know that he's yeah. he's been out and and uh, went to Cabela's and got suited up, got him a gun or a muzzleloader and a climbing stand, and has no clue and walks in to, right behind that pond. You know, goes up a tree and at dark he shoots a giant because it's mm-hmm. you know it's a spot that that you know a, a guy that's super educated in hunting would never hunt. And, and the first timer gets in there and blasts a giant. Yeah, you go back to, uh, you know, like say twenty years ago, things were a little different than they are now. Nowadays, kids get catered to and get put in the best spots and stuff. But if you go back, you know, beyond twenty years ago, uh, it used to be that uh, kids had to earn their way into deer camp, and when they come into deer camp, they kind of get like, uh, "That's Uncle Joe's area. This is Tom's area. This is Mike's area. You got to find your own area." And there'd be some little crappy piece off to the side. They'd stick these kids. And uh, I used to write for magazines and stuff. And I'd do the articles on successful hunts. And I found it overwhelming how many times these kids, the first year they'd go out hunting, would get stuffed off in the side where they would think, well, maybe they'll shoot a doe over there. And they'd shoot the biggest buck anybody's ever seen on the properties. And it would happen so often that I knew there had to be something to it. And it would almost always be like one of those overlooked spots. They'd get stuffed off in the corner where they wouldn't be bothering any of the guys that were hunting and they'd just kill these giants or a new hunter that would join a group would get stuffed over there and it'd be an area that they don't hunt. Yeah. An old timer told us one time, he said, if you're walking more than a hundred yards from the parking spot, you're probably going too far. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. Yep. It's nice to kill them in them overlook spots too, because they're usually real close to the road, and you don't have to <laughs> drag them very far. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, especially when you're by yourself or something. That that deer I killed in Nebraska by myself, I was pretty thankful it was only about 500 yards from the truck where I shot him or where he died. I mean, so. Um, but anyway, no, that that's good stuff. Is there is there anything, Dan, else you want to talk about with the that property? Oh. Uh, Put it back up once. Let's take a look at it. <clears throat> okay, give me a second. I gotta get get back to Illinois here. So, we got some uh, questions. If, if, if everybody, Joe, would, did uh, you uh, look right? Did you um, look at a map first, or did you go walk the property first? Walk the property first. That was the first. Yeah, because back it, in it, those days, there weren't as much mapping tools and stuff, so you didn't do that as often as you do now exactly right but I'm, uh, I'm just well, wondering if you go. just immediately glued onto that spot or if it came to you later <clears throat> oh where the where the where the stand site was well kind of both like finding the bedding figuring it out figuring out what was going on and figuring out a so setup the, yeah the, did you do that day one n- no so, so well the, the stand site i found day one because when i walked down to that corner um i, I want to say and i can't remember when i first got that spot i think i'd already killed a deer in illinois um and and we were looking for something for the following year for me to hunt and when i walked in there um that fence crossing see it was cattle fence it was standing up all all along that from from north to south right where you are but right there at the bottom three rungs or, or basically the fence was missing right there and it was just an absolute highway through there and then there were big rubs all the way you know, up that, up both edges where the walking path was and right there, there were rubs all the way up that edge. And I just said, man, there, and, and with that hill behind it, you know, that, that didn't look like a lot of traffic. To me, it just made sense on a north wind to, to hop in that tree where they're going to be coming, you know, naturally through that gap. And that's where I was going to start. And then I would, if I had to move, like if I was seeing deer getting up and let's say they were all, 
uh, crossing up there at the north and jumping the fence or something, th then I would have adapted and moved. But I never, you know, I never had to change from from right there. I guess, you know, it was luck and, and just reading a little bit of the sign right there to begin with. And that was just the, the killing tree. So what I see a lot with uh, spots like that where it's a real thick area like that is those mature ones like the bed on the downwind sides, which would probably in the fall be, you know, a northwesterly wind. Yep. Would get them over in that corner where you're seeing them come from. So that all makes sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, so you're he, saying he would they're never. Bed, they're bedding right here, right? Yeah, and he would never have pressure coming from his east. I mean, that was the 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 private tire shop. You know, just nothing would come from there. Um, you know, and he'd have the so wind could, in his face. He could sit there with the wind coming from the northwest to his back, and he could watch that like lawn that back that front area. If there's danger, just move back further into the thick, or sure. monitor it for noise or whatever. And then he was used to the people walking. So when he, when he, you know, when he smelled me walk in, he's just used to that. Oh yeah. The, yep, the people exactly. walk down that all the time. And then by the and, time I got to the end, it was, it was enough that I could slip right in there and he never knew the difference. That if anything that, that probably helped you because he's probably smelling you go, you know, okay, the people are on the trail. I need to stay low. It, the, the walking the trail was really what made that property because if that hadn't have been there and, and you had to walk down the edge of that CRP and he got up one night after, you know, closing time and smelled where you had been in there. Yeah, exactly. Game over. But that walking path, that that's what sold me. I mean, obviously all the sign in there and I would have tried to have figured out a way maybe to access from the South, you know, come down that Ridge from the South, but that would have been a, a feat to do that but um the walking path really sealed the deal so i i hunted a property somewhat similar to this um there's a little lower had a lot of wet stuff in it but it was a conservancy and that conservancy had a walking path cut through the whole thing and the way the property laid out um that trail goes close to every bedding area and uh if i'd get off that bedding trail and go hunt those spots i better kill that deer day one because mm -hmm. then he's on to me but i could hunt right off of that trail and have people look at me like i'm a weirdo <laughs> but the deer would accept it They'd, the same bucks you know non-shooters would walk right underneath me every single day smell where i walk they just keep going but if i got into that woods a little bit they would freak mm -hmm. and she's creating that for you that trail that woman yep so so interesting interestingly enough back, back then i was i was big on the the scent sprays right Mm -hmm. I thought that was the, the, the be all win all. So I would spray down and one morning I did hunt it one morning and um, I hunted a few mornings over the years, but sprayed down like half a bottle of whatever it was, walked down that walking trail, made, made my turn there to the South to go to the tree, 10 AM, like a ancient doe with two fawns. She's coming across that cattle pasture. Now, mind you, I'd gotten in my stand what four four or five hours four and a half hours ago she's coming across that cattle pasture jumps the barbed wire fence up up to the north of that crp hits me on the walking path and not bothered by that at all but then she smelled where i walked to the south buddy she went into full yep. on something oh, wow. is wrong and she tracked me all the way to the bottom of my tree and blew and took her phones out of there and that's when i said i'm not so sure this scent free killer stuff worked yeah. like they said it did <coughs> excuse me um uh, that, that was just reiterating your point about when you get out of where they're comfortable smelling you you, mm -hmm. you have to kill them quick the biggest buck I ever shot was uh, um, living in a cattle pasture that was overgrown. It hadn't been used in a few years. And uh, that buck would live under this willow tree all the time whenever there was a west wind. I and mean, for years I watched it there and I couldn't get close to it because it was all open around it. And there's no other trees to hunt around it. And I'd walk down this uh, access path. There's like a logging road. Right through, and one side it had crop fields, the other side was the old grass pasture. And I walked down there and I go up and I'd sit in this open area and kind of watch things and, and, and hunt, but I could see all the way out there. And I would see that buck get up and walk right across where me and other people had walked on that trail. I'd see him come out of there. And uh, it would drive me nuts trying to find a way to kill that thing. 
And I can remember one time I walked up to where his tracks were and I just started thinking, well, maybe I could hide in the grass or something. And I just walked in where he couldn't see me because there was like a little cattail patch blocking the view. But I just walked in about 10 yards off that, that access path and there's the fence is broken there and it's just low grass. Walked in there, just looked at his tracks and just said, ah, I can't do it. Turned around, went back to that path and went in the back and hunted. And that day when he hit my scent 10 yards from that trail, just 10 yards, that thing freaked out and bolted out of there. Or otherwise, he didn't even show no reaction. Yep, they know where you're supposed to be and where you're not supposed to be. No, no doubt about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, deer hunting Cajun has a, a good question for you, Joe. If you guys want to ask questions, just leave them in the comments and I'll, I'll get to them tonight. Um, also, we got about 300 people on. So uh, if you like what we're doing, make sure you hit the, the like button and uh, hit the subscribe button too. But uh, deer hunting Cajun asked Joe, what about the pressure from the neighbors? Do you guys have any, any pressure around there at all? Z- zero. No, no, no neighbors hunted. Um, we, we had one old man that would meet in the little diner that lived uh, to the south up on the hill and, and actually got some intel from him. He's, he's you know, we'd, we'd get in there sometimes in the summers and set up some other properties and stuff. And, you know, he'd say, man, I saw one with some fuzzy horns eating out of my bird feeder. You, you, I hope y'all get him this year. You know, that that was just, yeah, fuzzy horns. That's that's what we like to hear, big and fuzzy horns. So, so um, no, the neighbors, there was zero hunting. Now, there was um, a lease, uh, a hunting lease, it, way, not way to the west, uh, west, but a good little ways over that main road was a, was a hunting lease that a guy had. And um, I, I think that, you know, r- right there, that, that whole thing was leased up. And I think that's, you know, there was quite a bit of pressure in there and, and you know, helped push that those bucks into that spot. And then, like I said, you know, it was really October before they would move in there. And, and obviously the crops coming out then, the corn coming out then, the hunters getting into that lease and starting to hang stands and bebop around and thump, they, they just knew that was a safety spot and, and they moved in there. And then your bucks were actually traveling to the lease, right? That's right. Yep. Sure were. Yep. They, they travel out through there. There were food plots out there, you know, and then they had all that ag out there. So they would, you know, I killed the biggest one at four 30 in the afternoon and he was getting up headed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how long he would have, you know, stuck around on me or in that other cattle pasture where there was no hunting to the, to the West there, you know, he could have staged up in there. Um, I think there was some some old clover alfalfa maybe planted in there, some, you know, old, old stuff that he could have browsed around on and then made his way on out into the, the hunt club where the food plots were and the, and the ag. I had a, I had a guy um, hire me to scout his property a few years back, and uh, he had this issue that he had a big property with really good uh, features to it, and uh, he had like uh, – I think it was 200 acres 
and he had like uh 20 or 30 food plots out there and he was running like 150 trail cameras good gosh and uh he had uh mineral sites set up and all kinds of stuff and he said it was driving him nuts that he had uh all these cameras and stuff and he'd check his cameras and he wouldn't get no daylight pictures of big bucks and uh his neighbor was an 80 year old man that the last five years in a row shot bucks bigger than he's ever seen on his property and he only hunted opening day a gun <laughs> and when i basically told him because he was he was like my neighbor has no features he's in a mature forest no food plots no food at all nothing and he's killing the, the my target box that i don't see in daylight and i was my whole theme to this guy was you're out there all the time putting in food plots putting in mineral licks checking cameras he had a road he'd drive to check the cameras you know and and uh you know sometimes all the pressure you put on those properties it doesn't matter if you're putting all that work into the property you're pushing those deer into the overlooked spots and that old man only hunting once a year was basically doing what you're doing in that spot this just reminds me of that whole setup <laughs> yeah i mean I, i've got a a good buddy down here is his 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 dad has a a big we, we call them farms or plantations down here this super manicured food plots it's quail woods it's one of the prettiest places you could ever go and his neighbor has a 25 acre cut over guess who kills the big deer every year yeah the guy with the 20 acre cut over that never goes in there they're they're in there in that manicured place you know setting up the food plots fertilizing you know putting the quail doing stuff with the quail they're in there all the time and that other guy he's got one stand that he hunts only on the right wind and all of them suck right in there and and it's the same they're gonna find that overlooked place where they don't have pressure they're gonna find it um alec was asking wait a minute that's the wrong uh alec was not asking that um someone asked what were the thermals like off that ridge yep so um the th thermals in the afternoons with that creek they would kind of suck down to that creek um and then in in the mornings when i hunted it you know they would be rising up that ridge so i really never had any issues with the thermals because it was so flat you know where my stand was and I, I never had any issues there but that was something i definitely checked you know with the the milkweed and and all that i didn't but that that creek really helped yeah um joe you don't have to answer this because i know you, you talked about it before we got on here but uh there's a bunch of people asking how you'll end up losing the property <laughs> uh, you guys can guess how i ended up yeah. losing the property <laughs> you probably shot a couple big bucks <laughs> a couple thirty. <laughs> yeah um uh yeah just one of those deals, man. All good things come to an end. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I hate to say this, but there's been several properties that I've hunted where I had permission in my younger days where I would not tell the landowner or anybody that I shot the buck and I'd actually almost kind of sneak it out of a place where I had permission because if they found out, they'd want a picture. They'd want to show their friends. And then they'd find out they have relatives and stuff that want to hunt. They'd find out that they got neighbors that want to hunt and pretty soon you got competition. Yeah, it, it is. I, I told Josh before this, uh, money, women, and big deer have ruined more friendships than any, anything on the planet. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, thanks, uh, Deer Hunting Cajun, for the $9.99. I appreciate it, man. Same to you, Mason. Um, thanks for the, the donation. Um, he said he was chatting with Eric at the um, – at Columbus, man. Get to, get to chat with you. So uh, there was a question that I uh, that I can't remember who I can't find it now, but I can summarize it. Someone was asking uh, how early we get into our stands in the mornings. Something we haven't talked about a whole lot on the channel, and Joe would probably have some good input on this too, but. How early do you guys get into your stands in the mornings when you're morning hunting? It, it, to me, it completely depends on where it's located. You, you know, I mean, there, there's just, that, that's such a 
man, a, a open-ended question. I mean, every situation is different. I mean, I, I have gotten in the stand at 3 a.m. before, and I've gotten in the stand at right at daylight. So it just everything is so is so dependent on where the deer are coming from, how far do they have to go, how much pressure. I mean, it just on and on and on it goes. So so I can't really. It's all dependent on, you know, the buck you're hunting, the spot you're hunting, how far you think they're having to go to get to where you're going to be, um, how, how pressured they are. You know, if they're trying to get back before daylight, I mean, Dan, you can, you know, probably add to that, but it, all times. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing almost, that uh, there's places I get into in gray light. There's places that I get in really early, well before daylight. There's different times of the year. Um, there's all kinds of factors that affect what time you go in in the morning. Um, even during the rut, I find, uh, most of your mature bucks seem to bed before daylight, but they get back up and move again and then rebed like later on. If you've noticed the, um, the movement times in rut, a lot of time is not at gray light. There's like a small movement at gray light, but then there's a bigger movement, like an hour or two after daylight. And uh, it's like they get back up and remove. Uh, and if I'm going into a spot I have not pre-set up or I really don't know real well or I'm going based on maps, I'm not going in there in the dark and setting up. I'm going to go in there in gray light where I can kind of pick a tree and ease my way in. Um, but if I know a spot real well, I know a bedding area, and uh, I'm going to sit there for the majority of the morning, I'm going to try and slide in there um, really early well before daylight there you go thanks elizabeth for the donation she says she loves hey, hunting next to, ha next to houses ball fields that's a good tip ball fields industrial parks yep um there's a uh ball field that's whatever a mile or not even a mile it's half mile from my house and there's always deer coming off that backside of that ball field coming down into the the private crop fields um yeah golf courses um you know like abandoned golf courses those are always really good uh housing developments that maybe went bust th those are really good especially here one of my best spots in south carolina is a 40 acre piece it was a, a housing development kind of in a part of it was in a floodplain and they abandoned it and it's just grown up and man there's a river near it and it's loaded with deer yep and like we, I think we take for granted too. I mean, most deer hunters live out in the country or, you know, live in some, um, some area away from cities. But like if a guy lived in the middle of Indianapolis, you know, this stuff like this would be his only, you know, option to, to hunt, you know, cause I, I know I live in the Hoosier national and on the weekends I'll run into guys from Indianapolis or someplace, you know, and I'm like, man, you come all the way down here to hunt. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's where we have to go if we want to hunt public land, you know? um take for take for granted where we live at and and the access we have to some of the, some remote properties you know or properties aren't aren't you know in a city like this one you you found joe um so and obviously there's big deer in those little suburb areas yeah i mean you look at the guys in atlanta those those seek one guys that are shooting those giants in in the suburbs yeah. of atlanta i mean eating people's azaleas I mean, that's yeah. absolute, you know, 200 inch deer is crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, nothing against those guys. That's freaking awesome. But I don't know if that's how I'd want to like hunt all the time, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I get a while. I like to get away from people. I hate to, I don't want to hear, watch someone. Go to the grass <laughs> deer hunting. Yeah. You know, around here, uh, um, we find, uh, a lot of the biggest bucks, in those uh, areas right along the cities and stuff like that in the townships and the rich neighborhoods and stuff, just like everywhere else, kind of like the seek one guys. The thing that keeps me from really going over there and getting aggressive about killing those bucks is it always seems to end you up in trouble. Even if you're doing everything legal, somebody's going to have a, a conniption fit that you're hunting there, some tree hugger or something. And it always seems to cause problems, especially if the buck runs someplace and, you know, and uh, a lot of those people are rich, important people in town and, they can cause you headaches. Yeah, if you if you if you tick off the wrong attorney, that's an anti guy. He can cancel you, mm. ruin you. I mean, <laughs> you, that, that's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah, it'd be too stressful for me. 
I don't I don't like dealing with all that stuff. Um, Mo asked if you found any sheds on that property, Joe. Never walked in there. Um, I, I literally, in in five years, other than checking the trail cameras, I hunted maybe fifteen times. I, I just stayed out of it. Um, I never shed, never went in there and shed hunted. And again, the deer really didn't show up in there until October. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we'd still get some pictures of them in January because I'd, I'd leave some cameras out until the batteries died. Um, but I don't know that they wintered in there either. Um, you know, I think they, you know, once you got into kind of the, the end of January when the shotgun season and all that were out in Illinois, I'm not so sure they didn't re- relocate back on those on that, that lease and back out, you know, closer to some of the ag. Um, obviously more food out there. 15 yeah. hunts and three bucks over 160. That's a one out of five. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, the 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 two 180s, uh, I killed the first one on the first afternoon I hunted him, and I killed the other one the third, uh, the third time I hunted him. So, I mean, it was – again delicate and waiting for that north wind high pressure just things right knowing he was in there with the trail cameras um just just waiting for the exact right time and i i killed them all the very end of october first week of november never in the run and when um i do studies on, with trail cameras in bedding areas and and from my hunts the notes that i have i'm finding that most of your bedding areas have a peak time period of use for mature bucks that's like two weeks not to say that they don't bed there at other times, but there's like a two-week time period when they, they have the most peak use there. And uh, it sounds like you hit that peak use time period and used it wisely. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of pigeonholed, you know, with, with – um, that's all you got. You know, 29 acres, there's not a whole lot of strategy other than timing. Um, you know, you, you, you know the tree, you know the wind, um, you know you got to be careful. And you just waited for, I mean, there were several days, three days that, that, that I would sit in the, the house, my buddy's house and, you know, catch up on work or, or whatever. And, and just, or, or there was another lease. He gave me permission to hunt on, or I'd go out there and hunt, you know, just, you know, just to, just to be able to go somewhere. But, but I was absolutely just biding time, wasn't forcing it. You know, there was lots of days I wanted to, Hey, I got to, you know, four days of south wind i bet i can get on the other side and and, yeah. and and throw a stand up for this south wind and then i just go no you dummy just be patient and your average guy would probably have on that property if they paid for a lease and they were hunting there they'd probably feel compelled to stay on that lease and hunt there instead of going trying some public land or their friend's land or something they'd be compelled to make that work and they put stands up in several locations on that small property and then they'd end up ruining the property exactly right exactly 100 percent right joe uh it was a preset stand right you had up in that corner yep when did you put that up and like we would we would put it up we would put it up in august normally you know pull it down uh after the season and then re-put it back up in there in, in august when i throw the trail cameras in there gotcha Kind of nice. one and done. Go in, put the cameras up, get the stand hung, um, you know, shooting lanes, check them, make sure everything was okay, and then get out of there. And that was it until, you know, we, we would pull them, go in and pull the cards in October on the right day and see kind of what, what was in there. And then that was kind of once you knew he was in there, it was it was game on. Yeah. Yeah. When would you check them then? Like you say on the right day, like how, what was the right day to go check? A- so I, like I mentioned earlier, it was one time like 11 o'clock at night in a thunderstorm that, that I, okay. I waited, waited for that to go in there and get it. Um, you know, because especially where those scrapes were, was super worried about, you know, we talked about earlier about getting your scent in the wrong area and them smelling you. So that that's normally what I would do. And um, what I have found, and, and you guys might have found the same thing, a lot of guys think, you know, you know, if it's going to get a little bit of rain, it's time to go check my trail cameras. But if it's a if it's a super light rain or, or not much rain at all, that's actually the worst you can do because your scent is it's amplified. I mean, it's got to be an absolute downpour. So would do that. Wind um, is really helpful too. A lot of people don't realize that, but wind uh, you take scent away a lot lot faster. I was just about to say that there were, there were times where, you know, we were getting a crunch time and it, it, there was no rain in sight. And so it would be a 15, 20 mile an hour wind 
and we, we'd go in and, and pull the cards then. And, and that's a risk. You got you, you you have to check them. I mean, or or I, I think you do because I wanted to know what was in there. Um, you know, and, and if there was a big buck in there, he was going to hit those scrapes or he was going to come through that fence crossing. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like you should uh, should have moved down to those scrapes? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would always. But then, then again, you see how much further I had to walk in there and walk out. Yeah. So it was a little more bit, a little more intrusion. And I just said, you know, if I if I just do what I'm supposed to do here and stay disciplined, it, it should work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've been on here an hour now, and I think I've gotten through all the the questions that everybody had. Um. So, everybody. Thanks for hopping on tonight. I hope you guys like this. We'll do more of these in the future. Um, before you leave, make sure you hit the like button. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Guys, thank you all. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope we can do it again. I, I really appreciate you all including me and having me. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks, uh, thanks for your, yeah. Thanks for your support on the, on the podcast, man. Yes, sir. Um, link to Osseo gears down in the bottom uh, of the, in the description here, go check out, go check out that stuff. It's good stuff. I've, worn a couple of the pieces now and um, happy with them so far so uh, all right guys have a uh, have a good night we'll see you guys later see you see you guys <laughs>